Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. I'm Otto Favor. And we are 35-year Wall Street veterans who have had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to bring you our candid views on a handful of stocks we screen here in the shop each week. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we've disguised our voices, and they'll never know. This week, it's September 18th, 2017. Uh, we've got four really terrific ideas for you this week. I've got a couple that come off of a um, seven-year average ROI at the top of the uh, top 20%. And Otto has a couple of ideas from, I think, somewhere, right? That's Basically. right. Two ideas. Okay. Two ideas. And so before we get to that, a couple of important caveats. First, this show's for entertainment purposes only. That's not a guarantee. Secondly, uh, Otto and I are professional investors during the week, and we talk to management teams, do modeling, do a lot of extensive work around valuation. And here we've been very careful not to do any of that. Uh, third, um, we do not have your best interests in mind, so assume that anything we say um, is against your personal interests, and you probably need to talk to a professional. I mean, my lawyers just say I need to tell you this. So uh, keep that Good in advice. mind. Good advice. And fourth, I'm heavily drinking, and Otto is uh, – you're drinking also. So uh, keep that in mind. See all our caveats, disclosures, et cetera, at www.thevalueguys.com. And now we're going to kick it off. we got a couple of good ideas, but before we get to that, some Wall Street commentary by Otto. Do, 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 we, do, we, do we ever open up a, a, a mailbox? Do we have a for letters? I have a mailbox, yeah. yeah. Val at thevalueguys.com. And Otto, um, you don't have a mailbox yet, but I'm thinking of getting you, getting you one. Um, at some point, if you get any fan mail. So okay. please write into Otto and... Uh, through you. Through me, val at thevalueguys.com. And if he gets any mail, we'll set him up with, a, with an email. I think you are getting some mail, and I'm just... Not showing I'm not me. showing. I haven't actually gone in there in a little yeah, while. Yeah, if there's anybody who's listening and just could just ping me through yeah. Val and say, this goes to me. Yeah. All I have to do is just say, this goes to yeah, him, send and that's fine. forward to, to yeah, Otto. Right, that's all. Yeah. Um, so anyway, with uh, that in mind, moving on to the market, what a week, you know, I mean, as we move through, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just been a snapback. I think last time we were talking, uh, we were just talking about this right before the show started, 204, 203 on the 10 year. Now it yeah. jumped back. It's, uh, it's closing today at, I'm looking, looking, and I'm looking, and I'm looking. It is Two, 223. 223. So how about that for a, uh, a snapback? Well, that's a 10% move. That's so huge. I mean, stocks should go down 10% when long bond goes up 10%. But that didn't happen. Well, and I think one of the reasons is because it was so depressed. The 203, I think, was a flight to quality for fear of Korea or North Korea and a number of other things. And I think the market is welcoming some sort of inflation. They want to see some sort of controlled inflation. And we're just starting to maybe hopefully get a little bit of it. I mean, a little bit of inflation isn't bad. Uh, obviously, deflation is not good. So, the, you know, the hope here is is that we can get a, a normalized yield curve at higher rates. We don't want the short term to excel beyond the long term. Well, when that inversion. happens, as uh, 
longtime listeners may or may not know. I have no idea. But when the when the short rates go above the long, of mm. course, that's a call of a recession. That's right. That's and then right. stocks go down, and now right. we're all worried. So we don't want that happening. I think usually it's like a six to eight month. Yeah. On the and horizon. it's a pretty, a pretty, yeah, uh, it's pretty good pr- predictor, pretty good predictor. So we don't want to see that so, happening. So with that, um, we've had a snapback. Markets making new highs. You've seen that. Um, I think one of the things to pay particular attention to is, and I think we've talked a little bit about this before, is looking for or watching for a rotation. As we talked about the FANG stocks kind of leading a rally for quite a long time and more momentum-driven tech names kind of taking the course and leading the market in a very uh, concentrated um, uh, effort by the market in a few names. Now, if you look in this last rally coming out of this move in the bond market, we've seen the financials, we've seen materials, we've seen industrials lead the way, and as well as seeing some consumer discretionary. So what was previously kind of in the doghouse is now starting to maybe get a little bit of traction. And if you're any type of a value investor, that's exactly what you're looking for. Um, we kind of talked about maybe getting into some uh, – energy names two weeks, three weeks ago, saying, you yeah. know, we're kind of at bottoming out. And I think uh, we took, um, not, right now we're at about 50 a barrel. And I think when we talked at that time it was 43, 44 maybe? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. It was yep. you know, definitely so, uh, in the 40s. And so with that in mind, uh, we've seen a lot of these, call it, uh, you know, names that or industries that were previously – you know, dragging behind, starting to come in control. I think financials actually might be a really good look. Um, these, and especially if we get any type of tax relief. Well, plus um, rates going up are good for banks. That's right. That's the price of their product is the rate. So we right. see that going up, and bank profits should expand a little bit. So with the two, um, I think you'll see, um, you know, that be positive for the banks. Um, as I mentioned, materials and industrials. Uh, kind of also led the way. We've seen energy kind of move back and forth, but I think um, it'll be interesting with the hurricanes coming through. We have a couple more hurricanes no, coming I, through. Otto, I have a comment. Yeah, right. I want to make a comment. Yeah, I can just interject. Open mic, open a mic. A couple weeks ago, our listeners who, uh, you know, they're just minding their own business. They're listening to the show, whatever. They're probably doing other things, bathing or whatever. Um, you had a name on the show that you put out there for all to hear it was just an open you know call for people to buy the stock and i think it got taken out that's right i think it's that was right. an amazing great memory what, very good what, memory s s n i and so silver what, spring what so what i forget what happened you recommended it right and then it got taken out right that's luck that's the summary that's luck and that's luck. uh i think value uh, investors who bought that name were uh, Pretty Benefit. happy. I think very we, happy, yeah. ooh, it was, I want to say $7. Takeout was 16 today. Wow. Yeah, right. It was a good move. I should have bought that. I know. Well, <laughs> good. well we never listen to ourselves uh, anyway. I, so. No, so with that, I mean, we, and it was a consolidating market. You had a lot of private equity activity in that market. So that was one of the reasons it was dirt cheap. And it was a, and I thought, a pretty interesting technology coupled with um, doing some good work in uh, the energy platform, specifically uh, utilities and on the grid. So with that, um, why don't we kick it off? We had a good week, a uh, good couple of days in the market as we round out to uh, head into a new week. We usually do this show on a Sunday. 
Do we? Yeah. Yeah. What uh, day is it? This is uh, Monday. This is Monday. Monday yeah. So we uh, we waited a day to do the show, but um, so nonetheless, you know, we coming out of last week, still a good good week in the market, and uh, it looks like this week, you know, coming from today, it looks like it's going to be a pretty good, you know, barring any uh, missiles flying over Japan and into uh, towards Guam. Well, here's the thing: as I said last week, and I've been saying this for a few weeks now, I'm very excited about the economy, and I'm not always that excited. And the reason I am is that everything seems to be hitting on all cylinders. Even the rate going up, which some people might say, oh, that's bad, the cost of money is going up, I look at it completely differently. It means there's more demand for money. That's why the price is going up. And when the reason, the only reason there's more demand is because businesses are starting to feel like there's something they could invest in. Everyone's getting a little excited about the increase in GDP and uh, full employment, and I think we're starting to see a little bit of wage growth above what we used to see in the last number of years. We're also seeing a little bit of an uptick in uh, um, consumer debt, which creates more buying power. That's always a sign of confidence. And I think the economy, you know, if we get this tax cut that's coming, I mean, I think we're in really good shape. The problem for me as a value investor is that stocks are, uh, you know, expensive. It's harder to find good value, um, although we always manage to find something. But the problem you can run into as a value investor is you get sucked in to wanting to find a better value in these, you know, frothy markets. And so you trade down quality. What you really think you're doing is buying something cheaper, selling something expensive, buying something cheaper, But what that can mean is you're buying something that's not as good. And so to the extent we're closer to a downturn uh, by definition than we were a few years ago, um, it might be the exact wrong time to downgrade your quality. So I just caution people on that one. Otto, that's uh, That's good advice. that's 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 a mistake a lot of value investors make, and it comes back to bite them in the downturn. So just want to mention that well and i think another thing for this market is one of the mistakes many people make is because of that search for value we tend to talk ourselves out of positions which are working for us and looking them at being maybe too expensive and yeah. thinking you know what i think i'm going to get out of get, get get off the the, the stock and uh, move on to something else because this is, just seems to me let the trend be your Wrong friend move, right? right yeah then hold your winners yeah you know, so, usually um, there's a reason they're winners it's a tricky time of the cycle. We've got to keep our wits about us during these times. Yes, that's it. Matter of fact, we should make a sign. Keep our wits. Yeah, keep our Here's wits. Here's the thing. In the midst of a terrible downturn when everything's terrible and stocks are down 50% and people are jumping out windows and all that, actually, as a value investor, that's a very happy time. You're finding all kinds of great ideas. And right. Yeah, your neighbor jumped, but, you know, um, and that's sad. But you're finding a lot of amazing bargains, and you're happy. One door market, closes, another opens. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, who knows where that long step leads, right? And so now, though, um, you're feeling good. Markets are at highs. You're feeling smart, too, because you've had a bunch of good years. You're like, hey, I, I know what I'm doing here. You get a little cocky, and next thing you know, you're buying stuff that's not as good, and you get banged on it. So I just... I just want to throw that out there for those of you taking notes who aren't drinking. Write that down. That's just that's or for, even for those, even day. even though even for those who are 
drinking but not taking notes. They should yeah, also listen. Yeah, or tell a friend yeah. to write that yeah, down right, for them or right. something like that. So I just want to throw that out. Well, um, this is recorded, so they can always go back and listen. That's true. Right. They so they didn't even have to write anything down. Later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people do, do that, that, actually. Yeah. The heavy tech smart people that My have. mom does. I know she writes it all down. Oh, she does? Yeah. Oh. No, I don't know. Who knows? Anyway. Uh, so what are we doing now? Otto? So now we're, 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 let's kick it. Let's kick it off into the. Am stocks. I going to go? Yeah. Why okay. Don't you know? I've got two medium. I want to say great, but they're probably truly medium ideas. They come off a screen. I ran it. Very simple screen, and it's basically keeping in mind what I just said. This is not the time to down tick your quality. So I ran a screen this week. Like last week, I did a. Uh, I think uh, I, di- I did a new low list, and last week I, I, I don't even remember what I did. But um, this week I'm doing a quality screen. So I started first with small cap. I've been doing large cap. This week I'm doing small cap. Under $4 billion, but greater than 200 I don't want things that are about to go broke. So $200 million is a good threshold for a company that's kind of doing okay and going to make it. $4 billion is that threshold where... Wall Street just doesn't spend much time, effort, or resources on stocks smaller than that because they don't offer a payback in terms of deal fees, commissions on trading, uh, M&A, you know, whatever it may be. And so that's an area. And then with all the passive investors, you know, it's never been a better time for small cap fundamental analysts really than, than now. So I did small cap. Then I put in a filter. The average seven-year return on invested capital needed to be over 10%, which doesn't sound like a lot. That's a seven-year average, and uh, I think that's roughly the top 20% of stocks are in that camp. So I did that. Then I threw in a little safety filter, debt to EBITDA, just reflecting you know, how long it would take them to pay off all the debt. I put a 2 on that, or a 1.5, which is nice and clamped down. And then I asked for year-to-date returns that are in the bottom 50 percentile of the universe. And all that stuff led to 26 names. And just like last week, a lot of these names are uh, retailers that the market thinks might have some trouble with Amazon, mainly because some of them will. Um, and then uh, we've got a few other things that, um, you know, I don't understand. No shock there. Some tech names that are down. They're probably down because the tech doesn't work. You know, who knows? But I picked out two names that I really like. I think they've got sustainable competitive advantages, and they're decently priced. The first one is called, uh, what the heck is it called here? Papa John's International, ticker P-Z-Z-A. This company makes pizza, Auto. They make pizza. Everyone's familiar with it. Uh, Papa John's, they've got a $2.9 billion uh, enterprise value. They got a $1.8 billion in revenue. They got a 12% EBITDA margin. Um, And... uh, they have a, a history of doing well. For a long time, they had a, a cheese subsidiary that mitigated some of the volatility in that particular um, commodity. 
and they spend a lot of money on advertising, which all these guys do. But the main thing about pizza is that, amazingly, pizza continues to gain share of the food dollar. In part, it's typically delivered pretty fast, and it's cheap. So the edge here for pizza as a food is fast and cheap. And usually, whatever it is, those two things are popular. Just think in your own life. If something's fast and cheap, you like it. And then there's things like cars or uh, like, yeah, medical uh, <laughs> medical exams. You probably wouldn't do it that way. No. 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 Um, but there's a lot of things that faster, better, cheaper is the path of the economy over thousands of years. And so pizza in the food category is um, amazingly continues to be in the ascension. So I like that a lot about it. Some of the metrics on this company, um, well, first they pass the screen. So listeners know one of the great things I like about screens is they've passed the screen. So if you've managed a decent screen, um, and this one is, a very high historical return on invested capital. That's the primary screen. And then a safe balance sheet. These guys right now, in terms of valuation, they're 1.5 times sales. And when I look back over history for this company, um, that is uh, it's a little bit of a discount to the industry. The industry is about 2.7. They're at 1.5. And... Uh, I like that. On an enterprise value to EBITDA basis, um, they're, at, they're about 10% cheaper than the industry. Looking back historically, you know, they're not trading at the multiples they traded at 10 years ago. Um, but I think in part, just like the 10-year, the you know, is, is got a low yield, which the inverse of that is a high multiple, pizza is safe. You know, even in a downturn, because it's cheap and fast, those are competitive advantages that you don't have to worry about in a downturn. In fact, pizza tends to gain share in a downturn from, you know, more expensive, moderately priced family restaurants. People just stay home, watch a movie, order pizza. So it's defensive in that way. The enterprise value to EBITDA 14 times, so I'm going to flip that around. Cash on cash yield, EBITDA over enterprise value is... Uh, you know, call it 7%. Uh, percent. And then you're going to get some growth on this thing, which when I look at the historical financials, um, you know, back in, uh, oh, just let me look at the annuals here. You know, back in 2010, they were $1.1 billion, then $1.2, $1.3, $1.4, $1.6, $1.65, $1.7. These guys do not have a down year, even in the, uh, well, in the in 09, which was a very bad year, they were down uh, 8%, which is... Uh, revenue? Is that revenue? Revenue, revenue yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, that's not too bad here. Um, right now, they've got, uh, you know, a very healthy-looking balance sheet, and they're putting up um, pretty good earnings. I think some of their European expansion is kicking in. And so um, what else can I tell you on this one? Um, I'm doing as little work as possible here um, as maybe longtime listeners are shocked by that. Um, 
So it's a little more expensive than I like, but I think it's because we're at a peaky point in the cycle and there's a lot of safety in this guy. Balance sheet's absolutely clean and uh, it's got a uh, roughly a 7% cash on cash return plus call it 3 4% growth for a 12, you know, percent total return. So pizza P Z Z A I like it. Oh, everybody likes pizza. I like the stock too. Oh, okay. The in fact, stock. if you order the pizza yeah. and you like that, then I would buy the stock. Well, I think and we'll have to order a pizza next time for the well, show. Well, the stock here you is. You should have actually had a pizza for the show. I, I could have. I, you yeah. know, I should have done that. You should have done that. It would have gone with the wine that you brought yeah. over, which um, we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, I'm going to talk about yeah. that. It's very delicious. So that's my idea. PZZA okay. and. Um, What's the EBITDA multiple again? It's 14. Okay. So that's not super cheap. I right. agree. But when you're looking at companies that are in the top um, 90 percentile of where they trade historically on a return on invested capital, you're going to pay up a little bit. Right, right. And I think what's happened since this thing was cheap 10 years ago is they've really improved their operations. They've really honed it. Pizza continues to gain share. I think the market now realizes you know, how safe pizza is. And they've simply bid it up. It's a clean balance sheet, consistent growth. And, uh, you know, if I were to have a thesis on pizza it would, or PZZA, it would simply be low-cost meals for busy people. How about that? Well, I'm going to the website right now and just looking at the Papa John's Pizza website. Yeah. It's the official pizza of the NFL, as you probably are aware. I didn't know you, that. Well, if you watch football, you'll see that uh, – um, you you know they always have a, you know here you got two medium two toppings for six ninety nine. How do you beat that? Two gluten free topping pizzas for nine ninety nine. I mean they we just, could still get one here before. Yeah, I much. I just got. I mean, I love. Next time we will. All right, we'll get look one. at this extra large two topping pizza for eleven dollars. Eleven dollars. That's unbelievable. That's crazy. In fact, let me throw out the customer service number. It's 877-547-7272. The CEO is John Schnatter. And I think if you just ask for him, um, he can answer your questions. Well, I think he, you know. So anyway, I know the it's the NFL uh, pizza, so they, they, they have that going for him, which is nice. So in, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so, I, you know, you always see him on, John, you always see him on the, you know, during the pregame or during the game for get your, you know, he's pushing he the pizza. There he is. Yeah, he's that's like a him. young man. This yeah. company was started in 1984, so he's looking go. pretty good for yeah, well, whatever age he must right. be. Right. Well, so, good for him. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on, uh, going to another company, Chemical Financial Corp. <clears throat> Symbol is CHFC. This is a $3.3 billion. I'm just want to insert something, you know, and I don't mean to get off track yeah, here, but yeah. um, I was off uh, on Friday and I was happened to be in front of the television. I, so I turned on one of the news, the business news uh, networks. Okay, I'm not going to say who, but one of the, yeah. and Boy, you know, you listen to that. I don't know how people get there, get through that. It's like they talk about the same thing ad nauseum. They cut it up 55 different ways, and I just don't have the bandwidth to go through, you know, that much detail on something. And at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. No. It's just it's just brutal. It's like torture. 
I, I mean, I, I give people credit if you can make your way through those things. Well, there's it's, a lot of noise in news. Oh, my God. And, you know, I mean, you got to cut through it, but it's hard sometimes. Why, why were you uh, watching that? Well, I, like I said, on Star Wars. I, yeah, I know. I learned my lesson. Disney I should have done that. I usually, I usually do, but Bambi's for some odd reason, I just didn't. Hmm. So I have, it was just what, no. watching it. And it was, like, was your wife home people, as well? Or no, me? nobody was home. I was just watching it. Just a feeling, trying to feel productive. You know, if you're not oh, working, you know, you're off for the day. You think ah, I should just be in touch a little bit. You know, just to kind of. Did you have a malady? No. 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 Just, out. Just yeah, no. Just took a day off, you know, just hmm. to get some stuff done. But I had out. some downtime, and I think, well, you know, it's kind of like working if I watch one of these, you know, market news. And but it wasn't. It was. It wasn't really that productive. Hmm. But getting back to Chemical Financial, uh, a great bank in. I shouldn't say great. It's, it, it's a very good bank. Uh, they're located in Michigan, and they're actually. And give you a little bit of Chemical Financial Corp. They're actually uh, domiciled in the same city as Dow Chemical. Huh. That? Yeah. Is so that why they? Uh, and probably why so they got why chemical. Why aren't they being sued for taking on part of Dow's name? Well, they're taking on Chemical, not I, Dow. I mean, I'm I'm a little bothered by that. Well, I don't think <coughs> Dow, Dow is, but okay. So with that in mind, this is a, this is a company which is on the west side of uh, west uh, side of the state. And it's a fairly decent size, about $18 billion in assets. And as banks go, that's a pretty decent-sized bank. Well, to make a long story short, they uh, merged with another bank on the east side of Michigan, which is more of a commercial bank called Talmer. It's T-L-M-R, I think was the symbol. But that's come and gone. And now that, that merger, if you will, kind of created a bloated um, expense line of personnel. And yeah. just, you know, you know how some of these things go. You know, they sound really great. Two different cultures. One is more of a commercial bank. The other one is more of, uh, call it a consumer bank. And bringing these two together, you don't want to fire anybody. You want to kind of keep everybody, but it, you not, can't do that. So you got to, eventually when you do these mergers, you do them, you have to cut costs. Nobody likes to do that. Nobody likes to lay off well, people. Well, I mean, but, all these executives, you know, some belong to country clubs with rosewood walls. Some belong to country clubs with, like, walnut walls. It's a clash. And so somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to go. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so inevitable, what happened was, is the CEO who ran this chemical financial pre the merger um, uh, resigned. And they, the management from Talmer has now come in and taken over the bank. Now, if you looked at the old Talmer and looked at their returns, they were much higher than this combined entity. And I think what happened is things were a little slow to evolve to bring the efforts together and bring these, um, call it, um, leverageable opportunities uh, in front of them. And I think they just said, we got we to gotta move on quickly here. The stocks kind of faltered because of that, because of the high expense line. And, but I noticed just last week, they announced a major restructuring. So, like I told you, the CEO, he re, he's resigning. The um, people who were in charge of, of Talmer are now moving into the management of CEO and CFO. Were they the better bank? Yeah, better? they were a good okay. bank. So, so that's then, an yeah, opportunity. Right. So it's a very good opportunity. And I always like management shifts. Whenever you see a, a, you know, a management shift out, you know, there's always 
you know, obviously you want to know or evaluate the new management coming in, but in many cases there's opportunities there because they're going to make changes, right? So I think you're starting to see that restructuring was announced last year. There's like a basically a seven percent net reduction in total employees. Uh, we don't nobody like I said nobody likes to see that, but if there are redundancies, the idea of doing these merge, mergers is. If you have two back office accounting, you only need one. So you have to kind of bring these things together. So with that in mind, you're starting to see these. They discontinued some unprofitable uh, divisions. So I think you're now at the forefront. Uh, they're they're going to move to a more, call it offensive, commercial-driven bank. And, um, you know, Michigan, I don't know if anybody, I think, I don't know if we, didn't we talk about Detroit at one time, just on a couple, couple, maybe three, four shows uh, maybe ago? Maybe how it's what? Coming around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you've seen a lot of, the, a lot of Michigan generally, West side of Michigan has been really pretty decent for a long time, having a very good, uh, manufacturing, uh, within it, uh, education, as you all know, um, Grand Rapids Grand is an Rapids. economics powerhouse. Right. So there's a lot of things going on, but what, anyway, so with that in mind, um, this is a bank that uh, trades uh, right now. I looked at forty nine dollars and thirty two cents. That's roughly fourteen and some change times the eighteen estimates that are out there, which is about uh, call it th- just just shy of three fifty. And um, looking at this from a investment, I think there's I love these things that are you know kind of broken mergers, bring new people in create the synergies and the leverage that we thought you were going to get. And the stock got punished because those weren't delivered. They weren't so, it, yeah. yeah. So we got new, you know, fresh breath coming in. Um, and now don't quote me on this, but I thought I heard the CEO is coming in. He's taking $1 of salary and stock. Hmm. So this guy's putting his money where his mouth is. And, and, and I love that when yeah. that happens, whenever a guy comes in and he takes stock versus income, you're on, He's on your side of the table yep. as a shareholder. So it kind of short and sweet, but uh, this is a great name in financials that I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, you get the overall benefits of higher rates, better economy, and lending that would uh, continue to pick up. Now, with that in mind, let me give you a backdrop, the risk here. In my mind, commercial real estate lending, I'm always worried about that. I, I think that we're at kind of a topping there. But given the fact that these this bank hasn't had the firepower in commercial lending, broadly speaking, I think you'll see this, uh, you know, the higher commercial lenders and this is just, you know, the management team at Tomar was really good. And, and now moving into chemical, this combined entity, I can't encourage people enough to look at this. I think this is a great uh, look. Dividend is 2.5%. Just, you know, right, call it right under 2.5%. I think it's safe. Um, you know, so ROE is a little underperforming because of the, like I, like I told you, there's some expenses here. And so net-net, um, this is something that I think, uh, you know, not only they're in Michigan, they're in Ohio, and they're in northern Indiana. So this is in the breadbasket of the country, and um, Love it. I think uh, this is my – so anyway, I think you could buy this. This is uh, my guess you'll see 60-plus dollars on this name. Hmm. Well, I'll just add to that with banks in general, um, and I run a, a small-cap portfolio. There's a lot of banks in the value, the small-cap value indices because it's based on price-to-book, and banks tend to trade on book. Um but one thing we know in banks is we have too many banks. It's a commodity business, obviously. They're all selling the same thing, money, 
at prices that are posted everywhere and online. So it's very hard to get a competitive advantage in terms of your pricing. And so, uh, and increasingly, you don't need a bank. You can do stuff online. You can borrow money online. You can. You never even need to go into a bank. Uh, I can't. I, I can't remember exactly when it was, but I was completely floored when I saw someone take a picture of a check, email it in, and that was deposited. You don't even need to go into a bank. So as a result, consolidation here is a huge theme that's going to last for a long time. It's been going on for a long time. So all of Otto's comments right now, two good banks, they combine. Um, there's giant synergies in terms of all the people who are now uh, unnecessary at the combined entity. And that is a path to earn money over time. So if you like chemical and it works then six months from now there's going to be another bank situation. And I know people and firms that have been playing these themes for decades because uh, the bank industry continues to be in a consolidating mode. And so from a very high level, this sort of story has been making sense for a long time, Otto, and that uh, sounds like a good one. And so that's my second bank. I have two banks that two are Two banks my, today. Yeah, Hank, no, uh, my pre, like three, four shows ago i had hancock hbhc oh, yeah. and now this is my second bank is chemical i see so i got two banks on my two roster banks? well yeah, those are good banks, to check out because of this uh, consolidation theme all right okay i have one more name this week i know i've been doing three but i got a little sleepy today and you know i was up late uh i don't even want to get into it all but i couldn't sleep auto and so I'm just I I didn't have the stamina to do a third name. I'm just going to have two names. But if you want three, I just say go listen to a show you haven't heard. We have 300 shows on iTunes, The Value Guys, and uh, there's probably something in there you haven't heard. So go listen to that. But my second name today, and this is very controversial, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's called Waddell and Reed. You gave this one already. I did. Yeah. When? A few oh. weeks ago? Yeah, like four weeks ago. I oh. remember this one. All right. Well, then I'll have to pick a different one. Oh, boy. Oh, well. I'm going to do oh, it on the boy. fly. Look well, let me give you the summary on Waddell and Reed. Waddell and Reed. First, it's a 10% dividend yield. And they are in the money management business. The active management area is under siege because of computers doing index funds and blah, blah. And Waddell has this giant family of mutual funds. And so the market seems to think those are going to go away. Here's what I think. Waddell and Reed and others, you know, your fidelities of the world and things like that, um, they've built a lot of trust with customers. The fact is people are shifting to ETFs and passive management. But do you think Waddell and Reed knows how to do ETFs that are labeled Waddell and Reed? Yes, they do. So there's going to be a period of time here where all the bodies that are in there, the analysts, the portfolio managers, all these people who cost a lot, um, you know, are no longer necessary as the market share shifts toward passive strategies. The brand is great. The distribution is great. So all the brokerage firms that carry Waddell and Reed are going to still carry it. Um, and what Waddell and Reed is going to do, in my humble opinion, forecasting the future, is they're going to eliminate a lot of the people doing active strategies, and they're going to introduce a bunch of passive strategies. It's kind of like predicting what taxi companies were going to do that owned a lot of horses when the auto came out. 
I think you could be pretty confident that the smart ones were going to buy automobiles and stay in the taxi business. They weren't going to say, oh, no, we're only in the horse taxi business. We're not in the car taxi business. So I think no, Waddell, if that, if that, if that huh? analogy doesn't give away our age, I don't know what. Uh, well, listen, I like I mean, my you horse. Know, you, know, <laughs> you know we're not millennials with that comment. I really love that guy. <laughs> Little Cisco, you know. Uh, so anyway, so that's my summary. Evidently, Otto says this is on June line. 9th. Oh, June 9th. 9th. June 9th wow. show, WDR. Okay. Then I'm going to move along here. I'm going to. You want to. I'm going to do an. Auto Bowl. Oh, yeah. There you go. Auto nice, comedy nice call. Auto. Yeah. So I'm going to do a name, uh, and I like this one. I've done very little work, but I don't want to repeat myself. Cracker Barrel, C B R L. I was big in this name for where, you were? like 15, yeah, maybe 10. No, probably close to 15 years ago. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah. I, I liked it. This, I still like it. This name I bought a long time ago. It was one of my original stocks back when I started my strategy 15 or 20 years ago. And the thesis simply was uh, low-cost meals along the highway. And we know that traffic on highways is going up relative to um, population. And these guys are on the highways, and they have affordable food. And they have a gift shop that does unbelievable business. I can't even explain that. But these Cracker Barrels, they do very well. They have a little bit of a, I mean, it's an exact wild exaggeration to say a monopoly because they don't. But they've got great locations near exits off interstates, and they're not making any more exits on interstates. Uh, and so that's a nice position for them to have. And then they pass the screen. So they're in the top 10% of their seven-year return on invested capital. And the stock a little bit reflects that. So in 2010, you could have paid 37. Um, and now it's 147. Um, so that is not as cheap as it was. But on the other hand, I would say that they've been delivering on the growth front for many years. So I'm looking at a 10-year uh, a chart of revenues. I don't see a single down year on this page. Um, return on invested capital is at what appears to be an all-time high. Again, that was a, you know, a cornerstone of this screen. 21% return on invested capital. That is unbelievably great. Their cash position is... Uh, you know, near a high, 160 million. I don't have the share count right here. I'll get it in a minute. The return on assets, this is before leverage, 13%. Again, that's going to be at the high end of any company in the, you know, on any U.S. exchange, 13% return on assets. That's getting pretty lofty. Um, enterprise value to EBITDA, 10 times. That, and it's very stable number. For this company, they don't get too expensive or too cheap. Ten times, that's a 10% cash on cash return. I'm going to take one over 10, 10%. And then I'm going to get a little growth here, which just judging from revenues and eyeballing it, uh, looks like you're going to get, let's see, in 2010, you had 600. Now you had 740. It's 140 over seven years, 20 a year. 
So it looks like you're getting about four, three to four percent a year, very consistently. And my guess is that's primarily same store sales growth, meaning existing restaurants doing a little better each year, um, and maybe a little bit of new store growth. It's a pretty established chain, so my guess is new store growth, new restaurant growth, is uh, is not a big piece of what they're doing here. Uh, the estimates, I'm just looking at what uh, the uh, Wall Street uh, analysts are saying about the company um, and uh, what we're looking at here for next year, 2018, they're looking for 8 bucks a share, 2019, 9 bucks a share. Uh, so stock at 147 on next year's numbers, that's like 16 times earnings. That's not too bad. Enterprise value to EBITDA is, uh, again, my favorite metric for cash-on-cash cash returns. Right now, this company I mentioned is, is at uh, 10 times, 10%. Enterprise value to revenue, 1.3 times. The industry average is three times. So these guys are very cheap right now. They're delivering very high returns. There's undoubtedly a reason they're cheap, uh, which I don't know what it is, um, because everything, oh, I see. Their most recent earnings, they missed it a little bit. Um, they missed it by, so <laughs> I love this. Wall Street estimated that they were going to earn 223 in the fourth quarter, but... Oh, I'm sorry. They beat it. They were going to earn 218, but they earned 223. So they beat it by just a little bit. And then they were up 5% from last year. So why the stock is off, I don't know right now. A lot of times when you see a stock bumping along highs, people sell the good news uh, just to prevent you know owning it when something bad they can't predict happens. But right now I'd say my summary of this name is great returns, good valuation, and very consistent. One of the things these roadside restaurants offer is convenience. You're not going to cook a meal in your car, and the percentage of total food sales that is uh, purchased in restaurants continues to tick up a little bit as, uh, as people increasingly don't like cooking. So that's a long-term trend, and these guys are pretty good at it. So I think the total return opportunity here is 10% cash on cash. Looks like you have 4 or 5% growth, so that might be a 15% total return opportunity, Otto. Well, I was looking here um, on, uh, on the web, the World Wide Web, and uh, it looks like, they, like you mentioned, they reported on the 13th. They came in with 223 per share. I think one of the things, even though they topped the estimate, revenues came in at 743.20 million for the quarter compared to estimate analyst estimates of 746.72. So margins mm. were better, revenues were down. So I don't know if they kind of extrapolated. Down off the estimate, you mean? Yeah. So I don't know if they million. extrapolated that. We have, but here's what I, you know, this is one of the things I like. That's if a you tiny, look at tiny miss, Otto. Right. You know, no doubt. A uh, number of research analysts uh, that weighed in on this there, uh, you had many neutral ratings and downgrades. Actually, uh, uh, estimates were cut uh, off of this um, off of this quarter. So, you know, many had a neutral rating. 
so uh, no, I'm not going to go into names, but there has been uh, some uh, price target cuts down to 158. I'm reading set a neutral on on the stock. Another big one. Uh, reduce their target from 150 to 140 with an underperform. So, um, you know, everybody jumped on this and kicked this thing in the, you know what. Um, basically, I like, how about this? This is the best. There was, I'm not, I don't even know if we can say the name, but this is tremendous. Um, <laughs> I've never even seen this. Okay. Okay. How about this? You had a downgrade on Cracker Barrel store from a sell rating to a strong sell rating. Strong sell. Yeah. Who did that? I'm not. I can't. I don't want to be. Right. But my point is, how about that? I mean, when you have people that just, I mean, whoa, go. I'm, not only do I want you to sell it, <laughs> this is a strong sell. I was already recommending selling it, but yeah, if that wasn't you know pronounced clear enough, enough. Yeah. So by. Boy, well, wow. I'll tell you if there's a if there's a if there's ever a fade fade the street call, this is it. I mean, everybody's on one side of the boat here. I would, uh, you know, with Do those they say why? and and those margins and the numbers. If you look at the numbers, these guys kick off are just phenomenal. Yeah. I owned I mean, this a long time ago. They've been putting up great numbers for a very long time. I mean, I think one of the problems when you own, I mean, look at labor's tough. How many times you walk around, there's for sale signs. So you don't want to jeopardize service because you have a labor shortage. You know, keeping people, you got to pay them more. So my Maybe guess that's is. the issue is rising uh, minimum yeah, wages. Yeah, minimum wages, labor costs is probably something there. But, you know, that all trickles down. They'll raise the food prices a little bit, and that may deter people from going to Cracker Barrel. Maybe they go to some of the fast food restaurants. And But with that in mind, I, you know, they, they usually figure it out pretty well. And so I, I think the management here is outstanding. I think you got a great, I think this well, is a I great mean, call. Look at these numbers. I'm pulling up some charts here. The gross margin. At Cracker Barrel is seventy percent last quarter. Seventy percent. That means when they charge a dollar for something, they're only spending thirty cents in goods. Now, in a restaurant, there's a lot wrapped up in labor and service and things, things like that. But the food cost thirty percent, and then their EBITDA margin. Look at this. It's off the charts. 14%, return on capital 21, return on equity 36. I mean, these numbers, I can't even understand why in the world a guy would have a strong sell on this unless he thinks everything's about to collapse. I mean, what? look at this. Well, you know what? A lot of these people that, you know, they, you, you have to make noise. If you're on Wall Street, you want, you, your trading desk needs to get some activity. You make noise. And, you can't um, right? I mean, so that, yes, what you get, you know, that's, that's a lot of things that go on here. Right. Um, and for, you know, I mean, I, I have to run, so I'm going to just throw this out real quick. My pick here, uh, Wild Horse Resource Development Corporation, symbol WRD, uh, trades on the NYSE, uh, Currently, I'm going to say it's like around thirteen dollars, and um, I haven't looked at it. Can you look that up? Yeah. I, I didn't get a chance to look at where trade where it traded out today. Right. I am using. I, I thought I it was right around thirteen bucks. Here. So uh, this is a company 11, which uh, eleven forty five. Oh, whoa, jeez, yeah. eleven. Yeah. Well, you know what's so funny? When I started doing work on this, it was it was like twelve and some change. And man, this thing make it a, so you know for all you listeners, you get yeah. even better value. <laughs> <laughs> so here's um, and this is why I, I like this company. This is 
a energy company. It's and one of the knocks in energy is we have too much supply, and people tell you that there's not enough demand. I think it's hogwash. I think uh, places like India. What was that? Was that your cat? And um, so, um, in essence, looking at it from the standpoint of um, a comp- this company, basically, like I said, it's an independent oil and natural gas company. Basically, it acquires, develops uh, energy plots to perform through the development of driving um, higher productivity. So if you're in the camp that overall energy, uh, i.e. oil, is at a, um, call it, um, cross point of supply exceeding demand, and it's going to be that way for a while, you probably don't want to get an energy period, especially these. I just I'm not buying that. I'm not, I'm not buying it either. I think we're one black swan away from an energy price spike. You yep. know, there could be a problem anywhere. Uh, Persian Gulf, uh, Strait of Hormuz, North Korea, and uh, and prices are going to move higher. And then a lot of these guys are going to be making a lot of money. And, you know, we've seen it, you know, like you were talking about Amazonian. You hear the same thing here where energy you have people going into electric cars, people going to driverless cars where there's going to be less cars, blah, blah, blah. In the meantime, between now and then, uh, you know, these, you have countries like India and China that are continuing to be more um, heavily consuming uh, oil. So looking at this company, I think one of the things that really sticks out to me, if you look at overall uh, performance on their energy, on their platforms, they've been accelerating. So what they buy and what they get out of what they buy has been outstanding. See, when you... As you probably all can relate to, when you buy any land that you believe is going to develop and produce, you better be right, given what you're paying for it. And the, and their track record has been outstanding. Um, so for this year, uh, many people are like in the mid-twos. And for next year, um, on a cash, this is cash flow, uh, it doubles, you know, practically about five bucks. So, and if you look at um, EBITDA, it's roughly about three hundred million for seventeen, going up to about seven hundred million in eighteen. So net out, this is a play on energy to acquire and develop and produce oil and gas, and looking at the success of those acquisitions and productivity. So bottom line is, this is a name that I think you can get some real good alpha capture off of this name. I think this thing could trade up in the high teens when things go fuego, and I think they will. Debt's very manageable, only around when 20. things go what? Fuego. Fuego? Fuego. Does that mean what? Fuego, fire. Hot? Yeah, oh, hot. fire. Yeah. Oh, okay. So when, and, um, when looking at long-term debt, only 20% uh, debt to cap, which for an energy company is really reasonable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's just yeah. outstanding. So you don't have to worry about being in a debt crunch. So with that, you look at uh, Gap EPS, I think on the streets around um, 70 cents for 17 and a little over a buck for 18 with a stock at $11. You're at 11 times next year's numbers. You know what this says here um, is they're going to earn a buck in 18, but the forecast of the street is 220 in 19. Well, so it that's sounds 19, like yeah. is that just wild guessing or is there something that's going to come online? In 19, because these guys are showing. I don't. I don't know that they're forecasting uh, increases in oil prices. Well, what they like probably do is they, they, they work off what's called a price deck, 
Yeah. And these analysts work off their price deck, figure in productivity, and then say, okay, based on my price deck and the production estimates that I have, this is what they'll be able to earn. So based on whatever that analyst has in their price deck and the, produ- for the production ramp that they have, I will say their production ramp so far has been stellar. That's I mean, what this is saying, that their revenue in 19 is going to be up nearly 40% from 18. So it looks like some something's coming online. Well, yeah, they, they, as they acquire, you know, they've yeah. been in this acquisition mode, and as they put these, um, this, this, the, these, these acquisitions into production, that's where you see the call it inflection in revenue. So we're moving from more and more producing assets, and not as much just sitting in that kind of from acquisition to production yeah. swing. You know what I mean? We're now past that. Past that point of, of production, i.e., no revenue return. producing. Yeah, no. you're in the yeah. you're in the build out. You're in capital expense, right? You're you can't produ- stop at that point because you're no, building. Yeah, and right. so they'll keep acquiring. You know, so you know this is an acquisition game, uh, mostly in the Eagle, Eagle Ford, Shale, and uh, you know they have great onshore oil. This you know all onshore, you know, and natural gas reserves. Um, so a little bit in Louisiana. But uh, this is one that I think uh, really sits very well if you believe that eventually we're going to get a, a, a stable. And you don't need, I don't need $80. You don't need a ton. No. Yeah. I mean, I can live very well with this name at 50 plus Because they're adding to their capacity. Adding to it, and they do really well with what they have. Hmm. I like it. I like, I think energy is a good place to be, you know, accumulating because... There's no way prices are going to stay here. We're going to get something happening. The economy's heating up. The supply-demand, I think, is in part created by uh, these uh, shale, or rather these uh, fracking wells that are shorter-lived than historical oil wells, and I I don't think there's a lot of data on that. So there's a chance that we could get a little bit of a a supply surprise over the next couple years. That's what I'm thinking. Otto. Well, the true case will be, you know, let's go out a year and see what, how the supply-demand uh, graph looks. Okay. And I think it's going to swing favorably um, towards uh, heavier demand than what people anticipate. So okay. that's uh, Wild Horse Resources. WRD is my right. second pick. And I think, awesome. um, where are we on the time? Well, we've got 54 minutes, and I know, I know listeners really like me to do walking through national economic trends, but I want to give a just a shorter version today than I usually do because I know you got to go. Yeah. And I got to go. I'm busy. Right. You got a one-sentence yeah. version of that? Yeah. Economy, good. <laughs> good. And I've been saying this for a while. It's shocking how good been, it yeah, is right. right now. Yeah. So that's my summary. But I would say Since go... Since 72, I think. Yeah. Well, exactly. Uh, go to St. Louis Federal Reserve. Uh, they have the most amazing economic data. And just Google up... National Economic Trends, and then it's all there. That's all you'll ever need to know. And then you can just go home. That's it. You're done. Well, we don't want to give yeah. them. You should, actually, we shouldn't even give them that. Because Why? Because now, now we have nothing? Yeah, now we have no nothing. one's going to listen now. listen to us. That's okay. So we still have the great stock ideas. Right. Yeah, that's very good. And the comedy. All right. Well, that uh, kind of wraps up. Well, you know, I didn't get in the wine. So let me give like one quick. Yeah. To give you a, I mean, I'll give you a. If you're still listening, yeah, you deserve you, to hear what the right. wine is. So uh, this is Palazzo della Torre. It's an Allegrini. Uh, basically, this is a Tuscan blend. You can buy this for 20 bucks and under. Um, as you know, being a value-driven uh, show, we look for value. I got to tell you, this is a blend that you can serve this 
actually don't serve it, drink it yourself. It's been great. Yeah, to, you know, it's, it's a great help the show out of Verona, here. out of Verona, Verona, and, uh, yeah, Italy, Verona, oh, Italy, yeah, right. And so uh, you know, this is again just an, a Tuscan blend that uh, really runs fruit forward. So not under Verona, twenty Wisconsin, bucks. Is there a Verona, known, Wisconsin? Yeah, it's really? near Madison. But oh, well, okay, you're right. Known for good. wine, no. I don't believe. Probably not, not beer, beer, beer and cheese. <laughs> um, so uh, with that, this is one tw- under twenty bucks. You can get this, and this is a great serving wine. I mean, literally, I'm do telling I owe you, you ten bucks, Otto, or what? Because uh, I had these snacks. Oh Look yeah, right. Yeah, but those these are like two dollars are... <laughs> snacks. <laughs> so not two dollars. Um, a... These are Trader Joe snacks. These are top of the line. So this is a uh, great blend. I would encourage a Palazzo della Torre. It's the Allegrini. This was the 2013. It's under $20. I'm telling you, you will not regret it. Buy it. Drink it yourself before you bring it to your friends. But I think you'll uh, you you'll love that, it. Though. I'm glad you brought it over. Yeah, I did drink it one myself, yeah. though, before oh, I came over. So just to make <laughs> and sure. And how come I just got one glass? Is there any uh, more? Oh, yeah, there yeah. is. Um, so thanks a lot. And uh, that is it yep. for me. And that's our show. Um, you know, I like to just review because if you've listened this far, you probably want to keep listening. So we talked about um, Papa John's Pizza, P-Z-Z-A. Thesis there is just simple, pizza. And then uh, Cracker Barrel, and the thesis there is convenient uh, uh, and, uh, and location. Uh, at Cracker Barrel, and great valuation, great statistics. I'm going to say my favorite for the week, and this is for Phil, is Cracker Barrel, ticker CBRL, and that's all I got. Okay, and uh, Wild Horse Resources, uh, basically a play on acquisition and production in energy. I'm seeing higher uh, acquisition and higher production off those acquisitions to create better, higher revenues, and the success rate so far has been spot on. Look for that to continue. Chemical financial, a merger between two banks, uh, taking in some synergies, cutting costs, uh, driving some revenue through some uh, acquisitions and more of a commercial bent uh, structure. And as it moves on, I think one of the things is you will start to recognize a better uh, amount of uh, revenue falling to the bottom line. So my out of these two, boy, uh, you know, I'm going to gunsling it now. Gunsling. I'm going to gunsling it wild horse. Wild horse. Awesome. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week. Ciao.